You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 85. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Business Marketing Show, our second in the series where we're actually having video recorded now with our guests as well as audio, stepping into that 21st century, as I said last time. Uh, So we have a guest on the show today. We have Thomas Drake from uh, Focus Cybersecurity. Uh, Welcome, Thomas. Good to see you. How are you? Good afternoon, or well, it's actually good morning. It could How be anywhere. If, the thing is with these sort of shows, mate, someone could be listening to it at midnight, so uh, the time of day that we're doing it really doesn't matter, does it? But wherever That's you, right, mate, just, wherever you are, exactly, yeah, wherever you are, whatever time <laughs> it is, I uh, hope you're That's well, and, and thanks for tuning in. So uh, Thomas and I met at an um, Asia-Australia conference in the city, uh, and then we met again a few days later uh, at the Hong Kong Australia Business Association that we are now both members of. And I got talking to Thomas and found out that he is a, a leading expert in cybersecurity. And I'm thinking, wow, that is a subject that is getting a lot of coverage at the moment. Uh, we all live on the internet, pretty much everything we do with our businesses, with our private life. Uh, all revolves around the internet and uh, of course this brings a whole host of opportunities to the underbelly of the world Uh, the the cyber criminals who are out there taking advantage of uh, poor security um, and and cracks in systems that they can get into to manipulate us our businesses our data and profit from it so thank you for coming on Thomas important subject um, so one of the first things I would like to find out about uh, this sort of stuff is relating to you is how did you get into cybersecurity? What what led you up to this point? Um, I'd be lying completely if I said it was by accident. Okay. But um, come coming out of university with a science degree, um, science jobs when I was when I was coming out of university were somewhat difficult to yeah. find them, and you needed years of um, further training to get into it. So um, ended up going into the IT, IT world straight away and starting to work with security networks, communication in 19, around 1997, it was very primitive still the way we did networking. Mm. And it was very hardcore because a lot of it was very manually configured. It wasn't um, as nice as what we have it today. So there was a big learning curve to step into now having a communications background from science and, having that engineering, um, those engineering subjects and various other um, mathematical topics allowed me to get into that and the encryption phase. Yeah, it was all very new. I mean, the, the internet was still uh, in its absolute infancy. I still think it technically is, but uh, it was like a, a brand new baby back then and people were not even on half the time. Some people only had email addresses. They didn't have websites. We certainly didn't have smartphones and all the devices that are attached to the internet now the internet of things, which we will, we will touch on later regarding security. So yeah, it would have been uh, pioneering days and you like me being in my industry for 
15 plus years, you've seen a lot of changes uh, in advancements in both security, I'm assuming, of protecting uh, your, your data and your businesses and various things, but also the advancement of the criminal side. I mean, it's, to me as a layman, it appears like it's a bit of a cat and mouse scenario. One minute you guys are getting ahead and they're working out ways to bypass stuff that's getting done. So how has that all changed? Well, for a very, very brief history lesson. Yeah, so, my, my, so my first big job was with um, Australia Post. Uh-huh. Now, Australia Post was not even running an Ethernet network at the time when I was in, wow. in the in the organization. It did have an Ethernet network that was it was cutting edge at the time, but we were still using what they used to call serial connections and um, dumb terminals that came to the table. Um, still a very mainframe, centralized mainframe, very much okay. organization. Towards the end of my tenure at Australia Post, Ethernet was starting to be put out right through the organization at the time. Mm-hmm. So I've actually seen organizations becoming enabled with Ethernet. The whole TCP IP um, concept, the IP address as we know it on the internet now, yeah. became the flavor for networks. And then going from there, working with wired networks and now going into this whole wireless and 5G environment where we no longer need to have cables for our networks, um, well, at least between the client and the network. That's the, that's the big dramatic change I've seen over the last 20 plus years. Yeah, and wireless is an advancement. And actually, as we're speaking, I am using my 4G connection on my phone to do this interview with you because my uh, naked ADSL2 kept crashing this morning from IINet. Thank you, IINet, for again giving me a crappy internet <laughs> connection. So my Vodafone connection, which is oh, at least it's five times faster, um, is is just so much better uploads and downloads. So anyway, that's another story. We should do a separate podcast on internet service providers. So all of those things you've seen change. They they enable uh, better use of technology for us, the consumer, but it also makes it easier for a criminal to get access to anything, anywhere, anytime, just off their phone. Um, so it's it's both exciting and scary at the same time. Absolutely. And as the networks are advancing, they're becoming faster and faster. And the faster your network is and the faster you can touch the network, the, the more that you can do with trying to compromise the network. Right. Because okay. you've got more bandwidth and bandwidth to do that. The slower the network, the harder it is. Yeah. Pretty much. So, um, and that's one of the key issues they're having with rolling out 5G within, uh, within the Internet of Things space because you can already hack Internet of Things on a 4G network. So why put it on a 5G network and make the landscape a lot more hackable by yeah. providing more bandwidth to do it? Yeah, and let's touch on that while we were on the subject of the Internet of Things. Uh, what's a, 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 in a layman's term, what is the Internet of Things for people listening? Okay, think about any device that can connect via Wi-Fi or 4G and can hook into the internet and can be managed by some sort of cloud service or okay. can be managed across the internet. So Wi-Fi enabled Barbie dolls, your Samsung fridges that you can connect to the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, basically anything, your Fitbit. 
Fitbit yep. devices and all that kind of thing. These are all considered Internet of Things devices. Yeah, they home security systems. Yeah, all yep. that sort of stuff. Yeah, the the Nest, that whole Nest. Uh, I'm not picking on Nest any particular, but that you know, controlling your home, home environment, smart homes, all that sort of stuff is classified as Internet of Things. So, yeah, okay. Absolutely. You can get an address on the Internet. That means that it can connect to a public network, which means it's fair game for an attacker pretty yeah. much. Yeah, okay. So where, where is it you find uh, that you're spending most of your time? Because you, you consult to uh, larger companies. That's my understanding. So who is it you're doing most of your work for as a cyber security expert at the moment? So at the moment, um, construction organisations, telecommunication, where the crux of telecommunication is being used at the moment are some of the bigger places. Construction companies, because Western Australia is starting to become very defence-enabled state, so we're starting to get the defence industry a lot in. Mm. So working with construction businesses who are needing to become ready for cyber attacks and all that kind of thing, to prove to the federal government they are able to, um, they're resilient to that kind of attack in case in the event that they do go and engage with the defence contractors okay. to do work for them. And now you mentioned the company to me the other day and again today. Now, I won't say it in case you don't want to mention it, but you, you, you're doing some work with a very large uh, company at the moment. Um, telecommunication company, telecommunication, yes. Telecommunication, yeah. Can you mention who that is? I can. I am doing some work with Huawei at the moment. Okay. So that is spelt, uh, how is it spelt? H-U-A-W-E-I. Put you on the spot there. Well done. Well done. Um, now, people are probably... Uh, some may be familiar with that company, but they produce a lot of uh, equipment like wireless dongles and different telecommunications hardware, don't they? I, I, that's the limit of my yeah. knowledge. But what else do they do? And they also provide network infrastructure. They mm -hmm. provide all that infrastructure that is connect that makes your 5G and 4G network happen, basically. So all the antennas and all the devices you see built on top of poles and things like that around the country... Um, they right. build all that equipment as well and also the integration and they do the integration projects to build that. Through. Okay. Okay. So you're consulting with them now on their cybersecurity side of things. So that's a yeah. big deal. Well done. Absolutely. Especially, um, I mean, they've been in the news a little bit in the last couple of weeks about um, with some federal government concerns and all that. So, okay. yeah. And so, and they're doing the right thing by um, consulting with industry to ensure that industry are helping them through what they need to do and um, showing that they've got nothing to hide pretty yeah, much. Cool. So that's within the Australian side of uh, Huawei that you're doing the work. Um, yep. the, yeah. Okay, cool. So uh, some more common things. Uh, we've done some episodes on this show before about taking precautions about various things with your websites and doing backups and having security uh, systems put in place. And, and you would probably agree with me that no one's, unhackable <laughs> i mean if someone really wants to hack you i mean you know some of the, the biggest agencies and companies in the world get hacked so as as an individual citizen your chances of being hacked us you know exponentially higher if someone really wanted to but putting things in place where you can recover from a hack i think is just as important as prevention what are your thoughts on that viewpoint Absolutely. Um, all the all the cybersecurity standards now talk about resiliency and backup, disaster recovery, whether you're an organization, but you can take those concepts and put them into your own home network as well. Mm -hmm. So for, for instance, resiliency around 
Firstly, ensuring patching or running security updates over your operating systems and applications and yeah. antivirus mm-hmm. are up to date, but also selecting a good antivirus. Now, most products that you buy on the shelf, they're all much of a muchness now. Mm-hmm. Um, they all do similar things. Um, there are some antiviruses that go completely to the next level with artificial intelligence built wow. into them, but they require a heavy spend and a heavy budget to operate. And you need at least 50 or so people in a company to okay. run those tools um, mm-hmm. or engage with a service provider who runs it as a service provider type setup mm-hmm. where, they can, um, where they manage it for you. So there are two things that um, you need to do, but also making sure you're backing up your data, whether it's in the cloud or not, backups are very, very important because even Mm. the cloud provider is not 100% resilient from a cyber attack. No. And yeah, and there's this whole myth about if I put it in the cloud, they're responsible for it. Well, they are to a degree, but there is your information. You are still the owner of that information. And if they can't recover it and something in their contract says we can't, we'll do it as a best effort, mm-hmm. you need something to restore back from. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm an absolute backup crazy person. Like I, I like all of the stuff from my iPhone, when I take photos, et cetera, goes to iCloud, Dropbox and uh, my Google Drive. So I'm a little bit over the top. I know people that don't even have any of their photos they take or any things they put on their phone uh, going anywhere. So they drop it down the toilet or lose their phone or get stolen. That's it. All their stuff's gone. So, so I'm a little bit over the top there, but um, I even back up. Like I use uh, Google G Suite for our um, business email, but I have a backup system called Backupify, which backs up all of my uh, Google data as well. Because, hey, no one's impervious, not even Google. You know, they, if something happened to them, and I've never had an issue with them in all the years I've been using them, but if something did happen you'd want to make sure you've got a backup of your, your critical, critical data. So that's leading into something else that we were talking about earlier uh, is the whole malware attacks. And that's still a huge and malware and ransomware. So um, how prevalent is that at the moment? So the, the malware is really one of the key ways to deliver a, what they call a dirty payload okay. to you. Pretty that much, so you can. That could be something completely different. Another topic of conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we won't go there. So, yes, sorry, a dirty so payload. Yes. That's it. So while we while we contextualise it here, so that um, dirty or or that malicious payload that you uh-huh. want to send to somebody has to be delivered in some form. Right. So so you activate that by either clicking on a link in an email, in a spam email, or. Yeah. You, you download a program that is not um, approved by your IT or um, an application that's been developed well. You go and click on a link and then it goes out and downloads malware to your machine. And that's probably the main, the main issue around viruses and malware these days. People yeah. are the biggest problem because we click on things. We, we're curious when we um, have something new. And it, we, yes, everybody wants to win the lotto. They want to win... $30 million or get $30 million from their uncle in Nigeria, Nigeria. Who, yeah, yeah. and all those kind of things. But they're all leading to the same thing to bring some form of payload to your machine mm. that gets executed and then ends up either calling home to a malicious server to exfiltrate any information you have on your machine mm-hmm. or to run commands on your machine to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. And look, you're absolutely right there in terms of 
I have this conversation with my wife and daughter and they're very onto it. Like they know, but I just say, look, I, I get things that, that are disguised as a, an email from Commonwealth bank or some other bank that's saying we need to update your passwords or there's been some sort of security issue or your account's been canceled. All these things that put fear into people and they go, Oh, so click on the link to update it or to, and I say never, ever, 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 even if it looks like it's 100% legit from Commonwealth bank or from any other bank, whoever go via the internet source, go bypass anything on your email and go and see if it's actually really a thing or call them up, call the service, the, the, the technical help up and find out. So, but yeah, people do it Absolutely. every day and it still baffles me that, but if they don't know, they don't know, I suppose. Yeah. It's, and, and, this is what, and this is the biggest problem we have with businesses these days is so, um, security awareness and education is one of the biggest issues. Yeah. Everybody, everybody has an opinion on it and it's great that there are opinions because lots of opinions build knowledge and build wisdom for the future. But yeah. at the same time, getting that the correct technical advice to people on what to do in those situations, there is no real there aren't 30 opinions about it. There is a right thing to do and there's a wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. For example, you know, if you get a virus, the key thing is turn your wireless off straight away. Yeah. Nobody, edu nobody educates um, individuals or organizations to pull the internet plug when that happens. Mm. Key thing is you don't want anything coming in and out when that's happened. True. And yeah. it's okay. To, yeah. And it's okay to lose the internet for 10 minutes while you investigate a problem. Absolutely. Very, very wise tip. Because, um, yeah, because otherwise, if you're still connected, it's doing what they want it to do and sending the, the data packages back and forth. And, yeah. Yeah, very absolutely. And I'm sure your accounting department can pick up the slack if you're um, a half an hour down. But if you lose all your accounting information and you have to start from scratch, mm. you may as well shut the shop up. Yeah, yeah. In business, you don't have backups. Yeah, it's it's scary stuff. So, as usual, putting precautions in place. What, what about the the commonly disputed, and it could be a myth, and you'll, you you can give me your thoughts on that, is the fact that uh, Macs are semi impervious to to getting viruses compared to Windows machines. What's your viewpoint viewpoint on the Mac versus Windows in terms of security issues? Okay, so. To a degree, the um, the Mac the Macs are a little bit they're built differently than the Windows machines. Mm -hmm. So the way their operating system is built, it's built um, in, it was initially built on an open source model mm -hmm. that then got closed source and it's built into what it is today. It does have vulnerabilities and it does have software updates, just like Windows does. Yeah. The key thing with Windows is because Windows is an enterprise operating system, but where the Mac OS is not an enterprise operating system it's a bigger target because the number of people in a larger organization is a better target than targeting one person. Yes. For example. Good point. So that's why they put, that's why hackers put so much research and time finding flaws in windows and finding flaws in Microsoft office where they have got the opportunity to be able to attempt to deliver um, those malicious payloads to those yeah. um, machines. Yeah, to larger uh, organizations, as you say, rather than individuals. Yeah. Good point. I hadn't thought of it that way before. Um, but it doesn't mean you should just make an assumption uh, that your Mac is not going to get a virus. If you're not doing updates and uh, not taking precautions, it still could happen. So you still have Absolutely. to yeah, still have to think as if you you are you're under threat. Um, okay, so 
Now, there's been some stuff in the news recently. Uh, we've all heard about the issues with data and privacy um, issues with Facebook, but there's also been a, a pretty big one that's more locally relevant um, with Health Engine. So would you like to, to give us the, the story on, on what's been happening there? So it's been reported in the news that Health Engine have been siphoning data and information about... Um, so when you go and you put the reason in Health Engine why you're going to the doctor, for example, mm -hmm. and you say, like, I've been in a car accident, that information has been siphoned over to um, connected law firms who are personal injury specialists. And they've been profiling these accounts and basically um, targeting people to say, would you like a personal injury lawyer to come and have a chat to you about a situation? That's Not ambulance chasing on a whole different level, isn't it? I mean, that's absolutely terrible. That is just not good at all. But the key thing is, um, if you go to their website, their terms and conditions, and they've also got a consent, um, a consent on the website that says, mm. and we're going to pass the information to third parties. But one of the things I don't think organisations are doing well, but we are learning now, is to start specifically saying what's going to happen to the information. Because your privacy, your privacy statements should state what you're going to do with the information. So then if you go and veer off that, you can be held accountable. And that's a better practice to do, to show people that you are actually looking after the information. Yeah, true, true. Um, and for those who haven't heard of Health Engine, it is basically just a tool that enables doctors and patients to uh, communicate with each other and it stores their data and their medical histories. So that's my very uh, rough intake. Not, 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 not medical histories, but initial information when initial you're engaging outcome. with the doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I definitely don't know what it is then. <laughs> so. no, but it does, it does allow you to book appointments with the doctors and, um, and be able to interact with the surgery without having to phone up because surgeries are busy these days mm. and it's just easier to go online and book your appointment that way. Yeah, cool. Fantastic. Um, so the other thing we had to talk about is uh, data theft, but also identity theft. I think that's another huge issue is people all of a sudden discovering that there's someone out there using all their information. They've stolen their credit card details or they, they've somehow hacked one of their logins to something else. So what is it that people can do to try and protect themselves from those scenarios? So with identity theft, it, it occurs because people put too much information online about themselves. Mm -hmm. it, gives an it gives an attacker or somebody who's got motivation to do this to go and look up and research the person, identify what makes that person tick to then be able to go and build a whole new identity about that person so they can go and emulate them in some form or way only occurs it doesn't occur with everybody it occurs with people who've got a re, there's a reason why you want to attack that person or do something with that person it doesn't happen with the average joe because mm. unless you're going to steal a hundred thousand credit cards to do something illegal or something like that it's better to attack one person who's got information or got something you want and then imitating that person and, and going to the trouble of doing that as a targeted attack than doing it for a hundred thousand people by throwing a dart at a board with your eyes shut pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good, good example. Um, and, and it's one of those things. I think there's uh, a lot of people out there who uh, they have all these different uh, access points 
where their data is then going to be seen. They're logging into various accounts or various things. And um, one of the things that I've found, there's been a huge increase with companies providing two-step authentication uh, to, yes. to your login. And any opportunity uh, where that's available, I'll always choose that or where, where you'll need to get a text message with a, a six-digit pin that you have to access. Now, a lot of people won't do that sort of thing because it's a bit of a pain every time you log in rather than just putting in your login details. Um, do you feel that is that extra step that can make the difference, those types of things, those two-step authentications? Yep. So when you enable two-step authentication, you're basically providing a risk mitigation technique to, uh, to reduce, the, uh, reduce the attack surface for your authentication mm -hmm. in, in an organization. <clears throat> however, it organize, however, it introduces a new vulnerability into your organization, your mm -hmm. device theft. So, oh, if, okay. so if you know an organization is two-factor enabled mm -hmm. and you've got um, someone's phone and you've got their credentials, what's stopping you from logging in? So this is where organizations have to get smart now and develop um, policies around data theft, device theft, and how do you deal with that? And then there are technologies you can implement around device theft that will allow you to remote wipe them should anything happen. One of the easiest ones yeah. is the find my phone function in iCloud with, um, with the Apple. Yes, yeah. Okay. But there are enterprise versions of this, um, such as the Intune product with um, Office 365. Okay. In, in higher versions of Office 365 and VMware have also got one um, called AirWatch. So AirWatch right. is another product, but these are aimed at enterprise grade. Enterprise grade, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I say so I have uh, that set up on our, our phones in case one gets lost or we need, you know, we, we can first try and see where it is and if we can't find it, then we can... De delete it and I've also got it set to uh, more than 10 um, password inaccurate login attempts it'll delete the data um, yeah. which is you know you think geez oh, one night when I'm really drunk I mean I've got everything on my fingerprint stuff for the phones these days but uh, yeah look I don't think you're ever going to be out of work mate I think you'll be employed for uh, the foreseeable future <laughs> with your industry um, because it just, it's never going to end. And there's always that, as so when we said before, the cat and mouse scenario. Uh, and it's yeah. often, and you know, you see things uh, that are produced in Hollywood, so you've got to take a bit of a, you know, bit of it with a pinch of salt to say how accurate is some of this sort of stuff. But we were talking earlier about the movie Catch Me If You Can with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hanks. I think it was a Steven Spielberg movie um, talking about that whole uh uh, check fraud and various things. This is going back in the sixties. Great movie. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Very entertaining. And he was, he ended up getting caught the guy that was doing all the, the theft. And then, then he ended up becoming a, a security consultant to uh, FBI and other different companies throughout the world. And that's one of the things he does today. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, it's, it's really just going to be, there'll be people out there who become very, very good at working out how to crack stuff. And there's people out there like yourself and others who are working out ways to prevent it. And quite often the people who like in, in the movie, the people who are actually the, the hackers um, per se, not good form of hacking, but the bad form of hacking end up working uh, to prevent that stuff with other companies. So how often do you see that sort of thing in your industry? Um, it's hard to say because a lot of it will happen um, under under the radar. You yeah. won't see a lot of that occur um, yeah. out there. But there are there are people who 
um, have done some naughty, like Kevin Mitnick, um, done some naughty stuff in the um, back in the past, and now he's um, got his own organisation consulting to the American government and various other right. organisations around securing um, securing their environments and all that. So it does it does happen. There are some stories out there that are in the public, but there are some other ones that sit under the radar because of obvious reasons around national security and various other elements. Yeah, okay. It's fascinating. It's a full circle thing that the, the hacker becomes the advisor. So, um, so in terms of uh, anything else at the moment that we haven't touched on, uh, and your, your company focused cyber group. So that is, I think, you know, we're having this general conversation, but I think people who are listening really need to take professional advice on this sort of stuff if they're unsure, particularly if they're in the enterprise environment. Uh, if it's your own personal security, there's lots of information on the internet, but always beware the source of what that information is, of course, but uh, always seek professional consultation um, from someone like Thomas, because that's why we've got him on the show, because there's basically a lot of people out there who are vulnerable to all these types of attacks. And it can be quite a daunting, overwhelming environment um, if you don't have some sort of step process. And I'm sure with you, you have a system in place that you work through uh, to make sure that everything is covered. So what would someone typically, what would be your ideal person or company that you work with at the moment? So at the moment, I'm working with organisations who are transforming their businesses, mm -hmm. um, organisations who are thinking about moving into the cloud or half moving into the cloud okay. to um, help them with um, a feasibility analysis or whether it's a good thing or bad thing to do for their organisation. Okay. Doing a lot of work around um, risk assessments for businesses to help them understand what their current risk landscape is within the business. So they're trying to justify why should I spend money to do something, for example. So course, sometimes yeah. a risk assessment or, a, um, or an audit of um, current projects is a, a very good thing to do to understand is the money being spent properly? Is it, um, is it being spent recklessly? Mm -hmm. um, are, we on, are we on point with what we are doing? And it's also to help their service providers who are supporting them to help, them, to help the organization get the best bang for buck out of the service provider but also helping the service provider transform with the organization as well. So there's okay. a lot of work around those um, aspects. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. And so uh, someone like yourself, you're constantly keeping up to date with what's happening. Um, there's a, there's a lot happening in terms of regulations and, and government from the government side of things about what has to be done and what doesn't have to be done. Uh, so you're the person that people can go and speak to to get the latest because as an individual or a member in a company, unless that's what your job is, unless you're the, the CCO, the cyber security officer of the company, so we, that's an actual job title now apparently, um, they're, they're keeping up with the information. But the average person is really probably getting drowned out by all the things that are happening. So yeah. what's the best way to get in touch with yourself, Thomas? What's your... Um, best, so, best way is um, www.focuscybergroup.com mm -hmm. and website's got a subscribe there and there's got, there is a contact us page. Cool. Um, I've also got a Facebook um, company page, a LinkedIn company page that you can contact me on as well and responses very quick on those um, and happy to have a chat with people. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we'll put the links in the show notes for those as well so people can find those in the podcast show notes or on YouTube if they're watching this video. 
Uh, any last words of wisdom before we let you get back to protecting the world from these data thieves and <laughs> cyber criminals? So the best advice I give everybody is if you're in a situation and it's unknown, it's okay to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And the best thing to do is take a step back from the problem and, and have, a th have a second think. Usually people say the first thought is actually the best one. When it comes to cyber, the usually the second thought is better because you've actually rationalized whether or not the first thought is the proper one. So take mm -hmm. a step back from the problem and have a think about it and slow down. The technology is forcing us to think a little bit too quickly sometimes and, and quicker than what we really want. So it's better to take a step back and have a think about what we're doing before we yep. do it. And the next time you go and get milk out of your fridge and then five minutes later, all your money's gone out of your bank account, it was probably something to do with your fridge getting hacked. So watch out for that, people. Those fridges, don't trust them. <laughs> yeah, changing the, changing the temperature will do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. It's a complicated world. All right. Thank you for your time, Thomas. Great having you on the show. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to come on. It's been a pleasure and uh, I'll see you around the trap somewhere, I'm sure. I'm sure we're going to run around and we're going to um, run into each other somewhere. All right. You have a great day and we'll speak soon. You Bye too. Thank you very much. Cheers. You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud and Stitcher.